I should have. <clears throat> I wanted to try and go higher, but nothing. Oh, you've done great. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for staying with us a little extra longer. <clears throat> you know, we're truly blessed to have uh, all these great musicians and advance for doing what they do. I tell you what, there's a lot of churches in small areas, small towns and communities like ours that we don't, they're not blessed to have what we have here with that. So we we really appreciate y'all. That's uh, really good. Y'all do good. Uh, if y'all would, I'm going to be looking, we're going to be uh, reading out of Ephesians chapter 4. So if you'll go ahead and turn there, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll go ahead and start out with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you this evening, God. Uh, Lord, we just ask you to forgive us when we fail you. Lord, we want to thank you for your love, your grace. Lord, I want to thank you for your family, the church. Lord, I thank you so much what it means to you and, and what it means to me and, and how much it's helped me through, the, through all these years, Lord. The, the church, the family, Lord, uh, whatever family, local church family that I've been involved in, God, I I know, God, that through all of those, Lord, and through all the people of God, Lord, that you have helped me to grow. And, Lord, I want to thank you for that tonight. Thank you for the First Baptist Church Comersnell here for uh, being such a good church family to be a part of, Lord. And I just thank you so much for Brother Brian and, and his family. What a wonderful family and what a great pastor and teacher that he is. And, uh, Lord, we pray that you would just keep them safe. We pray that you would bless them, Lord, as they are traveling, uh, I suppose, this week. And uh, I just pray, God, you'd bring them back to your home to us safe and secure. Lord, we just, uh, as we open your word, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, tonight we're going to be looking at uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Just a, uh, don't really have a, a very, very long message, I don't think. And... Um, but I wanted to start out with a question, uh, and I don't want you to answer the question. I want you to answer it in your mind, but I don't want you to answer it out loud. <laughs> so uh, the question is, is what do you if, you, if you answered this question, I mean, in your mind, what is the purpose of the local church? What is the purpose of the local church? If you were to, you know, give that answer, like I said, I don't want it out loud, but think about that for a minute. Uh, to, to say what is the purpose of a local church. We're going to look at a passage of scripture that I believe gives us a picture of the local church, a picture of, of the practices of the local church and what it means. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. How can we here at First Baptist Colmesnil stir one another to love and good works? One way is to not to neglect to meet together, right? Amen? Tonight I'd like to look at a passage of scripture that will give us the picture of the purpose of the church to show us how we can stir up one another to love and good works and grow as a body. Ephesians 4, chapter um, 4, verses, we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole passage first, and then we'll come back and look at it, uh, the few verses. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, uh, is, uh, and it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we, then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love, by the proper working of each individual part. So, verse 11 right there, we see that Paul is not so much talking about giving gifts to individual Christians, but giving individual Christians as gifts to the church. The other passages on spiritual gifts describe God-given abilities and, and, and gifts, but here the emphasis seems to be more on God-given individuals to the church. We are not going to take the time to explain each category of the roles. Uh, I think to some extent that the pastor of today's local church uh, probably fulfill each of these roles to some extent, the, the apostle, prophets, a pastor, teacher, but the first two, apostles and prophets, the church needed, I believe, before the completion of the New Testament. The next one's evangelist is a bearer of good news. That's what the word means, bearer of good news. This is one thing that pastors in today's church does. Uh, Brother Brian, every Sunday morning, pastors in churches every morning, they bear the good news. And then the second one, pastor-teacher. Pastor means to literally shepherd, which pictures the pastor caring, feeding, and leading the flock of God. As a teacher, pastors must teach the word of God. So to sum it up, in a few simple words, pastors are to tend and teach the flock. It was said from a speaker at a pastor's conference like this, Pastor, your job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. When the New Testament church was launched in the book of Acts, everyone saw themselves as ministers. It is said that sometime during the Dark Ages, uh, there became a distinction between the clergy and the laity. Clergy means God's light or heritage, while laity means come from a word that means the people of God. One of the rallying cries in the Reformation, if you've read much in the Reformation, was that every mem member of the body of Christ was to be a minister. 1 Peter 2.9 gives us a picture of how God views every Christian. It says, it says it like this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you, out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you were asked the question, right here, how many ministers, how many ministers do you have? Don't answer this aloud either, but how many ministers do you have at First Baptist Church Coleman School? I, we would be tempted to say just one, Brother Brian, but the truth is every member is a minister, and Brother Brian is the equipper. That's what we see in these passages. So we see, see that basically pastors prepare, and servants serve. So as we 
members and, mem and ministers are to be equipped to serve. Every member of the family of God is to minister. The Bible is clear that every Christian is given one spiritual gift. You might say, uh, well, I don't know what my gift is. Well, there are some spiritual gift inventories that's available. I don't know if any of you guys has ever taken the spiritual gift inventory, but they're available for you to take. But it's my suggestion for anybody, even a young Christian, to start with just offering yourself. In other words, just start serving. One gift that we all have is, our, is, is ourselves. Get involved in the service of God's family. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So I want to show us and look at these passages and show six ways uh, that our gifts lead to growth, how we can grow spiritually. And the first way that our gifts lead to growth is that the body is built up. Look at verse 12b. It says, For by building up the body of Christ. This word for refers to the purpose behind serving, which means to build up the body so that the body will be built up. It is said that there is a direct connection between regular service and Sunday service attendance. It was because, I'm going to tell you, it was because that I got involved in church in the late 90s that really began my growth. I know I still have a long way to go, but praise God, I've come a long way from that time. In other words, there's no way that I could have begun my growth had I not gotten involved in attending and serving at the church. When I started going to church, I didn't just start going and sitting in the pew. I actually started asking, what can I do? I want to be involved. So it starts with church attendance, but the question needs to be asked. Each time it needs to be asked, how can I serve my church? If you look at, if you, and we're not going to turn there, but if you look at the book of Acts in chapter 5, whenever the first church began to, to grow, there started to be a problem with the Hellenistic Jews, Jewish, Hellenistic Jewish um, widows that was being uh, shortened on the, on the table, on the, the food and the preparation and the distribution of the food. Y'all have read that probably. Okay, and then the, church, the, the apostles came to the church and said, hey, y'all come together, pray, and pick seven men to take care of this. Because we as the ministers, we as the apostles and the prophets uh, of, of the word of God, we don't have time to do that. We need to have time to, to, to be in the word and ministering the word. So they prayed, and they chose seven people and seven men, and they laid hands on them, prayed for them. And one of those was Stephen. Chapter 6 and 7 talks a whole lot about him. But if you read through, and most of you know the story of Stephen, so Stephen started out as just a table boy and wound up being a martyr for Jesus Christ. You see, he started out as a table boy and then began, as a, what we would think of as deacons today, and then began to serve, and he found out what his gift was. He was a great preacher. He was a great evangelist. He was a great apostle. A prophet, he, he went all the way back. He free read the story, a whole chapter of going back to the beginning of the Bible and preaching to those people, and they got so mad at him, they stoned him to death. But he just started out as a servant. The second way our gifts lead to growth is we will experience unity. Verse 13, first part of 13a, it says, Until we all reach unity in the faith 
The word reach refers to travelers arriving at their destination. Disunity often rears its ugly head when people sit on the sidelines and, and talk about their needs instead of sacrificially giving in order to meet the needs of others. Y'all believe that? I believe it was Brother Brian made the statement, instead of asking what my church can do for me, what can I do for my church? I think I've heard him say that statement. The question is, is and I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> when I was preparing this, look at this message, I'm like, well, I'm preaching to the choir on Sunday night. Okay, but maybe this is something that we can all use. Maybe there's, I know God has a word for all of us in here in something. But what can we do? What can you do? What do people do? That's something that we need to involve people. You know, when they come into the church, that's a question that we need to ask them. What can you do? Where do you want to serve at? We got a place for you. And we do. We can find somewhere for them to get plugged in. And the third way our gifts lead to growth is we all as uh, we will have a renewed relationship with Christ. Who needs a renewed relationship with Christ each day? The Bible in, uh, in, in verse 13b says, and, it, and in the knowledge of the Son of God. This word knowledge does not just mean head knowledge, but knowing in a relational way. It has been rightly said, that the number one factor in moving people deeper in their relationship with Jesus is that they regularly are serving in some ministry. You want to move deeper in your relationship with the Lord? Two words. Start serving. Get people involved. Get them to serving. I promise you, through the reading of the word, through getting them involved, they will be more involved in coming to our Bible study, to church, listening to the word being preached, and they will grow. The fourth way our gifts lead to growth is we will have a mature membership. Look at verses 13c and 14a. It says, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness, then we will no longer be little children. I think the problem with a lot of Christians today is that they are like the little girl who worked several months trying to learn how to tie her shoes. When she finally learned how to tie her shoes, she began to cry. Her daddy asked her, she said, he said, why are you crying, baby? She said, well, since I learned how to tie my shoes, that means I'll have to do it for the rest of my life by myself. We cannot be like that. Listen, if we want to grow as a church, we must be involved in giving of our time, our talents, and our treasures, but mostly of ourselves. You must give what you have been given, and that starts with us giving ourselves and giving yourself. The fifth way our gifts lead to growth is we will experience spiritual stability. Look at verse uh, 14b. It says, Tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. I see this more in the prison than anywhere else. Um, but I've seen it in the Christian church and the out free world as well. But inside the prison constantly I've got inmates sending me an I-60 request saying, hey, I want to change my faith. So I call them in. They, there's all faith groups in the prison. I call them in. I, I, I lay, lay them in to come see me to my office, and I get them in there, and they want to change from being a Baptist Christian to a Muslim, or they want to change from being a, 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 to a Hindu or even Native American. 
There's a Native American religion, not just the, by blood, but Native American religion that they can be involved in. They want to change to that. I'll talk to them. I'm not supposed to proselytize. I'm not supposed to try to convince them otherwise, but it's hard not to do as a Christian. So I wind up, you know, asking some, some questions that's kind of on the line of proselytizing, if you know what I mean. But, most, but for the most part, they have been, they've, been, they've been blown around by every wind of teaching. I had one come in the other day and said, Hey, chaplain, when can I turn my, change my faith back to Baptist? I said, well, Buddy, by policy, you've got to wait a whole year now. I said, when you changed it the first time, you, <laughs> he changed it from being a Baptist to a Muslim, and then two months later he had a, a Christian minister that wanted to come in and do a ministerial visit with him. With him. And I called him into my office, and I said, hey, you, you, got a ministerial, you got a Christian minister wanting to come visit you. You're, you're a pastor of your church. <laughs> What's he going to you, you changed to Muslim. Do you still want to see him? Oh, yeah, that's the pastor of my church. Yeah, I want to see him. I said, well, I'm not going to tell him to change your faith. You can tell him that if you want to. <laughs> so they just taught, I mean, just any, anything. I mean, it's just there. And I'm telling you, it ain't just in the prison. It's when our kids go off to college, too. They're being convinced otherwise. And if we don't have a good foundation for them here and teaching them the word and, them, and getting them spiritually stable in the word, they're going to be like the wind and be tossed around like, like the waves. A lot of it is this universal thought that all faiths lead to the same God. You ever heard that? Oh, this one's got a name here for him. This one's got a name. This one's a name for him. But they all go wind up at the same place. It's not true. It's a lie from the devil. So some of them, uh, they all want to claim Christianity. And, 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 uh, and, and then a lot of them, they change to a saw truth. I mean, it's just all kinds of stuff out there. But you may ask, why are you a Baptist? I mean, I get that a lot. Why, why are you a Baptist? Why, why do you belong to a Baptist church? Because some, for some reason, a lot of churches have become, uh, uh, started uh, changing the name of the church. You know, they still go by SB. They may be an SBC church, but they're taking the Baptist name off their signs and what have you. Because for some reason, that says, that says religion and, and it's not just a follower of Christ. Well, a lot of times when people ask me, what faith are you? I don't say I'm Baptist. I say I'm a follower of Christ. Uh, but the truth is, I'm proud to be in a Baptist church. I'm proud to be a part of, a Southern ba of the Southern Baptist Convention. And you want to know why? Because if you go and read, and I have the Baptist faith and message of 2000, I agree with every word in there. Amen. That's why I'm a Southern Baptist. It's not because I'm trying to be a, you know, you can take the name off of it. I don't care about that. But I do care about the Baptist, the, the, the faith and message that you're preaching and what you believe. And that's what's important to me. And that's what I try to tell people. If I go to another place in the world and I decide I want to go to a church, I want to know what they believe. If I'm going to get involved, I want to know what they're going to be teaching and preaching. So the sixth way uh, that, uh, that our gifts lead to growth is we will be connected in love. This is our last, last point here in verses 15 and 16. Look what they say. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. So instead of being tossed around by every wind of doctrine, 
Speak the truth in love. Uh, the word there means truthing or telling the truth or truth-telling. Speak the truth in love. These two verses are key in this whole passage because I believe we do this in community. And that's what I really wanted, That what was really on my heart to talk to you about tonight was what we do in community. We should serve in community. If you, got, if you get any out of this message that your service should be an individual effort, then you miss my point. If you are only serving, only serving the Lord outside of the body of Christ, then you are not serving biblically. Remember, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. They come together, they pray, they send them out two by two. Everyone, listen, everyone needs some type of community. It may not be a Lord's crowd, but everyone needs someone. Serving the Lord is not a solo event. How do we do this? One way to be involved in the church is being involved in the church and growing together as God's family and speaking the truth to one another is what we call Bible study on Sunday morning at 945. Now, there's a lot of churches out there uh, that they are doing it um, in other places. Uh, if you go back to Acts chapter 2 and read verses 46 and 47, you see that they was going to church, they was going to the temple daily, and they were meeting in houses. And, 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 and the point that, that I want, them to see, want us to see out of that is that the early church was all about sharing life together and doing ministry in community. What better way to do this than in small group Bible studies? And what I was, I, I, got, I cut myself off that in a lot of the churches, my, we went to uh, Midlothian um, last week, and we were at Justin and Jessica's house, my oldest son, in Midlothian there. They go to a, a large church there called Stonegate Church. Um, and they preach, two, they preach, they have two services in the morning time, and then they go to people's houses in the evening time. I mean, all over the town. People are meeting in houses, and they take the pastor's sermon. And what's really neat about it is because they're gonna, they know that their, their Bible study that they're going to have is what the pastor preached on that morning is that they take notes. I don't know who all takes notes when Brother Brian's preaching. I, I try to, but they, everybody's taking notes. Why? Because they know they're going to talk about it that evening, and they're going to talk about application, how to apply it. And that's what they do. They call it like a second application. So they all meet in houses. We got to meet in there, it was there, and we, we had asked Justin and Jessica, are we going to be in the way? We'll go to town if y'all want us to, because they got, they got all these people coming into their house. I said, we'll get out of the way, and they said, no, you can come. I said, we really would like to come. I want to see how it's done. So we, we did. We stayed in the, in the house, and, and they came in. They had about probably 20 people in there, young adults. Some, some of them got babies and kids, and young, young adults with kids. And uh, they had somebody watching the kids in a back room. But that's what they did. They, they all come together. They talked about the, the, the sermon that morning. And, man, it was some really good discussion, really good, good application and, and testimonies out of that. And then, of course, the, the guys and the gals, they separate. And the men go outside and the, and, the, and the women stay inside. And the men go out and they do more accountability type questions, things that men can talk about not around women. So I like it. It's a, it's a really good thing. But whatever we do, you know, here our, our tradition and our, our, our culture is different. We do Sunday school. They don't do it. They do it that way. But still, it all it really is the same thing. We do it at 945 on Sunday morning and um, in Sunday school. And I think that's a, an important part of being involved in church. Again, preaching probably to the choir because if you're here on Sunday night, most likely you're involved in Sunday school. Uh, amen? amen? I say that right. I mean, most people that are here on Sunday nights involved in Sunday school. 
So, you may ask the question, what if they don't come to Sunday school? Well, that's a good question. Our Sunday school, I don't know what it's been since we've been here. I don't keep up with it, really. I mean, I know we see the numbers, but honestly, I hadn't. I don't know what they are. Our, our numbers, I think, probably went down since we've started in the last couple of years. It seems like the whole church attendance has went down. I, don't, I hope it ain't because of us. But, but, but it has. I think every church has. But, uh, but the question is, is, what if they don't come to Sunday school? Maybe we need to survey. Why? I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why they won't come on Sunday night. I, don't, I can't answer those questions. Could it be that, uh, could it be though, this is things to think about, that they would come to your house for a Bible study? Is that a possibility? Oh, so and so that maybe talked about going to church. Would he start? Would he come to your house for a Bible study? Could it be that they would meet you in a restaurant somewhere? Y'all remember I took the kids out. Uh, we took the kids out a, a couple months ago to park to the mall, and we had a Bible study right there in the middle of the mall. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Maybe meet in a park. I don't know. I see people in Walmart. They'll stand and talk for 15, 20 minutes about small talk. Why they can't talk about the Lord for 15? 20 minutes. I do that. I'm, I, I'm saying I do the small talk. I don't talk about the Lord like I should. I, I do, I, I, you know, we, we, it depends on who it is. If I meet Johnny down there, we might talk about the church or the Lord a little bit, or, and we might do a little small talk. But, you know, it is. That's all sharing life together. It's what we do. So what is the purpose of the local church? Well, my, 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 I, I summed it all up in three words, really. The purpose of the local church, it really is, I think, is to, to spiritually grow. How can you grow if you're not a part of the local church? And this is what we need to try to tell people. Our first people, our people, you know, young kids, and and and, and, and I'm telling you, I just don't see, I, I'm not saying that they can't, but I just don't see how a Christian is really growing solo. Yes, you can get it by yourself, you can study the Word of God, and that's what we should be doing, we should be having times of talking to the Lord, all that should be a part of it. But God never meant for it to be just us by ourselves. The church, he's, the Bible is full, if you look at it, especially the New Testament, of the words one another. <laughs> Not by yourself, but one another. And that's how we spiritually grow. And that's all I have for you all tonight. So, Y'all stand to your feet. I guess we got a business meeting, right? Uh, Am I supposed to lead that or is somebody else doing it? Johnny, you going to do it? Okay.